Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. I thank you Lord because you have been good, you have been so good to us. We thank you for your promises, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our very lives because there are so many who pray more than us. Many who pay tithes more than us. Many who do many good things more than us and yet they are not here. And yet here we are. Lord, we adore you and we praise you and we thank you. We pray Lord that your power will go in this word. We pray Lord that you open our hearts. Lord, we pray that you will cleanse our ears. Because sometimes what is being said is different to what we hear. It's the subtle ways where the devil just tries to make sure that people don't get, that people don't hear, that the word does not sink into the hearts of people. But this morning, Lord, I pray that you will help me. I pray that you will help us. I pray that your glory will manifest in our midst yet again as it always does. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. 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 In Jesus' name. Let us be seated. Uh, we thank God for this Sunday. Um, Pastor is currently in the U.S. The anniversary at the church in New York is doing their anniversary and he traveled there on Wednesday. He will be back uh, next week, uh, which is why I'm here. Um, but I know that, you know, God plans things and I look and I see based on some of the messages and some of the things that happened, why this topic is coming now. I'll tell you, the sermon I prepared really from, started from end of the, end of Palm Sunday through to Friday is different to what I'm sharing with you now. So when the word came that it was not time to share that, I was very angry, uh, both with Pastor Bayo and with God. In fact, I was so angry, I went to Miller and Carter and I had some dinner by myself. Because when I'm angry, I eat. So I ate. Then I went home. Yeah, I mean, you don't get to this side. It's just by breathing air. It's, it's a process. So, yeah, I was angry. I went to eat. I went to bed. Then, yes, yesterday, I basically spent a whole day at a prophetic conference in Red Cross. So... All of the things that I said in anger that I wasn't going to do, God is saying that actually you're going to have to do them because this is time. Um, so I'm here just to tell you, you know, the reality of being in ministry, the reality of, work, of working and working with God. He's not easy to work for because he's God. You know, what God owes us is revelation, not an explanation. If you ask God for an explanation, either you're not going to get it, or when you get it, the way that he then started to query Job. You know, Job was saying, so why is this happening? Why is that? All this? And then when God said, okay, I've heard your rants. Sit down now. Let's have a conversation. Can you tell me how did I measure the seas? Can you tell me how I measured the mountains? Can you tell me how I made X, Y, Z? Were you there? Who was giving me Cancel when I created things. So if you ask God for an explanation, you're going to be made to feel extremely small. But what God is obligated to give us is revelation. And the only way to get that is from the word of God. Be very wary 
be very careful of any minister of any type, of any kind, that is not getting their revelation from the word of God. And I'm not saying, you know, people see things, yes, they can see them, but be careful that is this person, is their ministry, is their life, is it based on the word of God? And more than that, is your life based on the word of God? Because what I have found is if you, if I'm a disobedient person and I've made up my mind what I'm going to do, God will find someone to tell me exactly what I want to do, even though it's wrong, even though it's bad. He will find, so when the children of Israel were asking for a king, you know, Samuel the prophet, we don't like him. In the end, God said, give them what they want. Even though they were told that it's not time for a king. If you get a king, this is what's going to happen, X, Y, Z. But they wanted a king at that time and God gave it to them. So when we start to read the Bible, you'll see the patterns. You'll see what happens to people. You, see, you can learn from them. And I guess the, the greatest thing is that God reveals himself to you through the Bible. Now, there are so many people out there who question the Bible, whether it's real, whether it's fake, who wrote it, uh, it's men that wrote it, it's God that wrote it. It is the word of God. And I'm a scientist, so I don't take things just because I'm told. I look for evidence and I'll ask for it. And I have been to God and I've, I've asked for the evidence. See, when the song that we sang just now, you know, we sang it a couple of weeks ago, and the reason why we're singing it now is because when CNS uh, was given birth to, it started with the Word of God. Orimolade was given the Word of God. He had the Word of God. The other thing that he had was the clapping that we just did. Okay, prophecy came through another person, and it was a necessary thing, so there's nothing wrong with prophecy. So there was the Word, and prophecy and then what happened which the devil is very good at is that he separated the person that carried the word from the person who carried the prophecy so what was going on was much bigger than an argument between two people it was a strategy of the devil to make sure that the fold does not do that which is in the mind of God whenever word and the prophecy are not in the same place, in the same person. Whenever a church is not balanced on either one, people achieve less than God's mind. And to be honest, our fault has been in trouble ever since. Ever since. Now, I was born into this fault, and it got to a point a few years ago, I decided, I came very, 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 I came so close to leaving that the choir master of glory house was going to start to sew me the outfits they were for Sundays that's how close I was and I was leading the choir at that time and the only reason I stayed was because of you guys if not I would have flown away but I would have had a different life because this is where I'm called to so I had a conversation with God and I said what is going on what is it really that is on your mind. What did you have in mind for the church? And to cut the long story short, he took me to, to um, his word and I've been stuck in that word 
ever since. And I'm not the only one. There are many people who have studied and who are studying who will continue to study. And every time you read the word of God, you learn a new thing. You see a new thing. So what I'm going to share, um, I don't know how far we're going to get. Um, and one of the reasons why I was happy for the singing to go on is that the more you sing, the less I have to say. So that's good. Um, so these are slides from uh, the School of Ministry we did in 2017. So the School of Ministry we do now is a light version. You know, one of the things with the body of Christ is that we're so happy with crumbs, we don't want the loaf. We don't want the whole bread. Like, we're happy with crumbs, an hour here, an hour there. The conference I was at yesterday started at 10 and they finished at 10. And yes, they had breaks for food, but there were five sessions of teaching. Now, tell me the, the heaviness of the prayer, the heaviness of the praise, and the move of God that he can do with 600 people in one room for 10 hours versus, okay, so this is going to be what? 30 minutes, 40, then we're going to go home. So what God did yesterday in one day might take him 10 weeks to do here. The way we used to do the school of ministry was a whole day, once a month for three months, and we would go through detailed things, and then at the end, the last day, people would share um, a sermon for 10 minutes that they had gone and prepared. And we're going to bring that back at some point. I don't know when. If people are happy with crumbs, that's fine. But God is saying, I want you to give proper slices of bread to people. So we will get back to, to that at some point. So I'm going to in, introduce to us the Bible because that's where the power is. That's where the power is. It forms the basis for victory of any type. It forms the, it forms the reason why you can become who God has asked you and who God has in mind. Now, through your mind now, it would probably be like, well, there's some people that don't read the Bible and they're not a Christian and their life is going fine. Yes, their life could be going fine, but you don't see their inside. There are so many people who have a lot of money, they have the fame, they have everything, but there is an emptiness in their heart because they don't know God. And yet there are people who don't have anything, but they're the happiest because they know God. And while God cannot be seen or felt, he can reveal himself to you. I'm going to go back to that. So if I turned up with a Bentley now, next week Sunday, a Bentley new is something like 250000 If you saw the Bentley, would you ask me to see my bank account? You probably would not. You would just say, okay. She's won the lottery. So when we see, even the Bible says, when you see the whole world, you know that there is something, there is someone that thought of this. Your manager at work, have you ever asked to see their CV? Or have, asked, have you ever asked to see their reference? You go to work and they're your manager because they just are. And that's the thing with God. He just is. So if you, if you kind of start from the point of view that, yes, God, I know that you're there, show me, rather than, 
I don't think you're there. If, if he knows that you already think that he's not there, he's not going to show you. And, and you're just going to stay there. But let's get into the, into the word of God. So the, an introduction to the Bible. So we read in Psalms 19.10. By the way, I'm old-fashioned and I like people to open their Bibles. So I don't have any of the passages on here. So if you want to read the passages, you're going to have to open your Bibles, whether it's on your phone uh, or whether it's um, physically. So we read this every Sunday. The word of the Lord is sweeter than honey. And I've been listening to that psalm being said in church probably since I was born. And I got the revelation of the power that is in the word of God. And I was like, why don't we do more with this? And you know, one of the problems, you know, we, we still have as a fold is that we don't think much of the word of God. We see it more as a box that we need to take, you know, get it quickly out of the way and let's do the real stuff. But the real stuff is here. It's more precious than gold. See, what the Bible is not, is not just a bunch of stories written by different people. It is the single story of, God, of God's loving pursuit of rebels in Jesus Christ. I've not gone to Bible school because I don't have the time. I, I bought a module called Introduction to the Bible from Spurgeon's College in South London. And I went through this, I think it's about 15 years ago now. And one of the tasks there was for me to write, what did I think? I needed to write um, a paragraph on what the Bible is. What is it? What can you see in the Bible? And what it came to is God really going out of his way to redeem a people that he had created for himself who decided that they did not want to be with their God, that they wanted to be with themselves. So even as you read Genesis 1, you know, there are people that will say, oh, it's not possible that God created something in seven days and it's e evolution and it's this and it's that and the earth is one billion years old. Is the earth one billion years old? Probably. Because if you go to Genesis 1, what you find is that God created the heavens and the earth, then something happened, and then there was darkness and there was deep. So it, it's possible that it is a billion years old, but what we know is that when the devil was cast out of heaven, he was cast into the earth, and he messed up whatever God had done there, so God had to go back and start the whole thing over again. We don't know how long that took. Now, the scientists out there that are saying evolution, that, you know, we come from cells that then grew and then survival of the fittest and we went from monkey to human beings. They have found many things, but they have never found a fossil of something that is half human, half ape. Because in theory, that's how it works. There has to be evidence somewhere that there is something that is half human and half monkey or half fish, half reptile. Nobody has found that yet. All that they're finding is the animals just as God said he made them. So it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does to believe in the Bible. But the schools don't tell us that. So we grew up thinking that we were monkeys. We never were. Monkeys were monkeys. Humans were humans. Simple. The word of God. 
The Word of God is not a history book, it's not a science book, it's not a relationship book. What is God in there? What do you need to know about Jesus? That's all. From the beginning to the end, the entire thing talks about Jesus. Every story that you find, every story that you will read, if you will ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes, you will find Jesus in it. You'll find Jesus in the story of Joseph. You'll see the pattern of what happened to Joseph is what happened to Jesus. Same thing. He was sold for money, rejected by his brothers, accused for something that he did not do. He paid the price, so Jesus went on the cross. Joseph went to jail. But guess what? One day, Joseph rose from jail to become the second person ruling the most powerful nation at that time. And Jesus went from the grave to being sat in the highest place. So can you see how Jesus is there? Abraham, Jesus is there. When God asked him to sacrifice his son, you know the mountain where Abraham sacrificed his son is the exact place where Jesus was crucified. Exact place. Now tell me, how do you make that up? How does someone who wrote that 4,000 years before Christ, how does that person know where Christ is going to be crucified? It is because God knew. It is because God wrote the Bible. He might use me to write it. He might use someone else to write it. But it is God who is behind the whole thing. So we look at the focus of the Bible. Now, the Bible is in four pieces. So we have creation, we have the fall, we have redemption, and we have restoration. Can somebody read Luke 24, 44 for me, please? Exactly. So he's saying the main focus of the Bible, as I said, is Jesus. But it's being said in different places. So we start with creation. How did we all get here? The second bit is what went wrong. And then redemption is how God, what God has done about what went wrong. And the restoration that is at the end is how things work out. So creation and the fall. Creation is Genesis 1 and 2. The fall is Genesis 3, so everything from the, the second half of Genesis 3 through to the end of Revelation is what God has done about the fall. Talk about his teaching time saves nine. Now, Eve should have said, okay, devil, I hear what you're saying, but let me go back to God and ask, and let me go back and check. But because she had the root inside of her that she kind of felt, okay, maybe I'm being cheated. Maybe God is not giving me everything. And she fell for it. Because the devil was there when they were being made, when everything was being fashioned. The devil was not happy. He wanted the earth for himself. And in the end, he got what he wanted. Because when Adam and Eve ate that fruit, they handed over the legal powers to the earth. They handed them over to the devil. That is why when we pray, the, one of the first things that we need to do is clear the air. Because there's demons everywhere. The place belongs to them. We gave it to them. Every time we sin, we give 
legal rights to the devil to take something that belongs to us. We think we're catching our fun. He's taking what belongs to us. Now, there's levels and levels of sin. It gets to a point where the sin is subtle. You will not know. But it's the devil saying, okay, you're a Christian, you're saved, but I'm going to make sure that you're as miserable as possible. So he will, he will bring in he will bring in the invisible sins like envy, like pride. Those things that, you know, I'm not, uh, there's no sexual sin, I'm not stealing, I'm not doing murder, I'm, I'm a good person, but I think I'm better than everybody else. The devil do doesn't mind. That's, that is good enough for him. Satan is the arch enemy. So in every, every story in the Bible that you look at, at the, at the center is a struggle between the plan of God and the plan of the devil. And there's always a, a tension. So God makes a promise and it looks like this cannot be. Abraham is what, 90 years old? How can he possibly have a child? It's everywhere. If you go looking for it, it's everywhere. The death of Jesus. Why would God send his son and send him to die? But guess what? That death is actually what brings us all here, what gives us the power that we have now. And it is all in the Bible. Now, I'm reading a book now on the Bible. And one of the things, you know, the questions that people have is, oh, um, in the Old Testament, God is asking the children of, of Israel to kill people. You know, God is uh, he's bloodthirsty, he's a murderer, he's this, he's that, he's evil, and all of that. And the book says that, that that's one of the difficult things with the Bible. God asked some things and did some things that kind of makes you wonder, mm, what is going on? But when you have the background of actually, this is God fighting the enemy, you realize that when God is saying, you're going into the promised land, and there's these people there, I want you to kill them all, it's not be because those people are bad and the children of Israel are good. It's not that. It is because God has promised to the children of Israel and to himself that that land that you're going to is the land that I'm going to give it to you. So anybody who is there, regardless of what they're doing, whether it's right, whether it's wrong, they've gone out of the way. But not because Israel was good, because God was good. So when God makes promises to us, we shouldn't think that it is because we're good, it is because he is good. And you will see this repeated in the Bible. Um, the authority of the Bible is infallible, so it never fails, it, inerrant, it's never wrong, complete, authoritative, sufficient, effective, determinative. The Bible is a sound book. Whatever other books are out there written by, whether it's um, Quran or any other book written by anybody else, the Bible is superior, superiorly superior. It is, there is so much depth and there is so much proof that ties what was said in the Bible with history. Even people that don't believe in 
Christ will tell you the evidence outside of the Bible for the life of Christ, for the death of Christ, for the resurrection of Christ, it cannot be contested. So when you look at the Bible and you think, oh, but that bit says the opposite of what, be careful because you have to look at the context, what was going on. Why do we study the Bible? Because it's the source of truth. Because it's going to bring you happiness. It's the source of victory. It's the source of growth, power, and guidance. The word of God and what it has in it is the only way for us to fulfill our destiny. Now, back to my CNS question and story. There's a couple of things that are important to me. My destiny. I want to do as much of what God has in mind for me as possible. So I had a conversation with God. I said, look, I need to be sure that if I remain in CNS, I can fulfill my destiny. If I can't, I don't have to stay, and I'm not going to. And he said, it's not about where you go, it is about what to do with the word of God. That's, that is all. Now, there are some churches you go to where maybe, you know, there's more of um, an emphasis on wealth or whatever that is. But wealth is not the destiny that God has for us. There is so much more. And he said, whatever it is that ha I have in mind for you, it's not about where you go. It is about the word of God. And actually, it doesn't matter what your church does with, with the word of God. Because now in this day and age, we have the word of God on our phone. We have sermons, we have books, we have everything. So even if pastor came here and every Sunday he preached 10 minutes, all of us don't have an excuse of any kind to not go and delve deep into the Bible. Now you can study the Bible for the wrong reasons and in the wrong way. You can study the Bible to show off. Can study the Bible to find things that you can use to, to damage people. And there are prophets, there's men of God out there that they will use the Bible and they will place heavy curses on people. They'll do all manner of things. You can use the Bible to do whatever you want. But the mind of God is, I want to use that word to prune you. I want to use that word to grow you so you can become who I ask you to be. And the greatest thing with the word of God is, application. So even if you don't read loads, the little you read, apply it. So if you read the book of Joseph and you see that, okay, um, Potiphar's wife tried this and Joseph fled. So the mental note, the learning there is flee from sexual sin. If that's the only thing that you digest and meditate over and decide and pray to God, God help me to free sexual sin, God, and you pray that prayer every day. Trust me, half of the problems in this world are caused by that. If you can take just that one small story of that one person, of that one passage and say, I've read this word and this is what I'm going to do. And bit by bit, bit by bit, you build up a repertoire of things that you decided to stop doing or things that you have started to do because you read them in the Bible and you will find that you become a better person. I look at myself and how I was five years ago, how I was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I am a lot better than I was and it is the power of the word of God. But my mind and my heart 
He's open to it. And Pastor Bayer knows if he goes around and you know he tries to say things that I don't listen, he knows that if he can find a passage which he very easily knows how to do, I am put in a corner. Because Because I have seen people fall over the smallest things. I have seen people who thought they had power and they thought that that power would never end. And yet that power was taken from them in one day. One day. The Bible is full of people that have fallen. So, you know, you check on your life. Okay, so why did this person fall? Holy Spirit of God, help me. Why did it fall? Eve fell because she listened to someone whom she had just met who had given her nothing rather than to listen to a God who had given her quite a lot. If you have a friend who gave you one million pounds and then some random friend that you met says, oh well, your friend that gave you one million pounds, you know that he has ten, so there's nine that he's not giving you. But, I've seen this happen so many times, it's easier to listen to the person that feeds your ego. It's easier to listen to the one that makes you feel like, eh, so out of the 10 million that he has, he only gave me one. Me, a whole me. Not knowing that the one million that God had given Eve is actually what was, that, that's what the devil wanted. When you know that pattern, when you have a conversation with someone, you're able to start to say, okay, where is this person coming from? I shared a few weeks ago about a friend I had who called me one day and said, oh, you know, you always take your husband to places you take him to, the train station, you take him to this and that. You know, why don't you tell him to get Uber and pay for it rather than you take him? Now, that sounds reasonable, doesn't it? Me, a whole grown woman. <sighs> why? Why would I wake up early to go be taking some man to the station who actually, maybe he just needs to. That's the devil. Clothed in somebody who sounds like they're concerned for you. You need to rest. You shouldn't drive so much. Now, if I had given in to that person, you know what happens? You start to look at that husband as a burden. You start to look at them as a hindrance. This happens quite a lot. Young men, careful of your friends. Oh, you never come out with us. You're always with your wife. Who else should I be with? Who else should I take to the train station? When you marry someone that didn't have license, don't you know that Umar Agbekirin? Has she got another husband for me? Or has she done anything for me that would make me want, maybe she's even jealous that these people go away, look at them, they're always in the car together, they're always talking. Who knows what's going on in her house? But if I had given in, she would have walked away, started big trouble. Be careful. Don't just take people's word for it. No matter who it is, sometimes parents mean well. Sometimes brothers and sisters mean well. Your best friend may mean well. But look at it from the word of God. And ask God, God, what is your mind about this? But if you don't know how to go to the word of God, 
if you don't know what the standards of God are because they're in the word, people will just come and derail you. And then God will, God will blame you because he knows what he has given you. It's all in here. You've got, thank God we've got a church that teaches. And God will be like, you should have known. Now, the application of the Bible, it needs thinking, meditation. So it's not, you don't just read something and, hey, God, hey, tell me what is here. I give you one day. If you will not talk to your manager in that way, if you do not give a deadline to your manager in that way, don't do it to God. Just At times you just have to leave it. Even when you get um, a prophecy, at times, as Pastor said, you just have to sit on it and just wait. And it will come. One day, and it comes in weird ways. One day I was thinking and reading you know, about the um, Africa and slavery and all those things. And you know, there's one country that wasn't uh, a colony of anybody, Ethiopia. I said, God, why? Why is it that when everybody else is a slave, these people were not? I left it. So I was watching TV one day and the I think it was a preacher yeah it was a preacher a teacher that were teaching about Solomon now we know that the queen of Sheba was the queen of Ethiopia and she had gone to Solomon with an offering and God said that's why Ethiopia did not become a colony of anybody it's because of the offering of that time that was given by their king so, ah. so offering can set people free. The offering that you give now may be what rescues your generations. But if they give uh, offering, hey, is this pastor, hey, they want to make money, they want to raise money. There's more. There's more. Yeah? There is more. So when when God is asking you to do things, the little things. Uh, I want you to, you know, for the next few weeks, I want you to do this in church. I want you to stop doing this. I want you to do X, Y, and Z. It carries weight, but if you don't know the examples from the Word of God, you will just think that a prophet somewhere is just asking you or telling you to do things just for their own fun. Satan will fight application of the Bible. Satan will fight you reading the Bible. Satan will fight you studying the Bible. Satan will fight you going to a church that preaches the word of God. The quickest thing to have a church that is full of people is to teach shallow stuff from the Bible and not go into depth, not go into the things that really are going to cut people is the easiest way. Because the devil loves Christians who have everything apart from a place in heaven. He loves it because it makes his job easy. When you know the word of God, when you can fight with the sword of the word of God, you are a problem to the devil. You know, in church, we're way too used to being an audience when God is trying to raise an army. Now, 
this morning, a few of us got to church at you know 8.30 or so to set up. And it's a beautiful thing to see when we work as an army and everybody knows what they're doing and they're doing it and it is being done and then it's just, it's beautiful. An audience doesn't get things done. If you go to the uh, cinema, you go there, you see you have some popcorn, the action is going on, but you come out the same way you went in. God wants to raise an army. He wants to raise an army in each and every one of us. And the way that we can function as an army, it's all hidden in the word of God. In studying, in applying, in living the word of God. And then the word of God comes to life in you. And I tell you, when it happens once, there's nothing anybody else can say to you that should make you doubt. But it might take time to get to that one. Now, this is a nice slide, Space Pets. So this is um, an acronym that helps us to know when we read a passage, what do we do with it? What can we do with it? You can read something and realize that there's a sin that you need to confess to God. Is there a promise that you should be claiming? Is there an attitude that we should change? Is it a command we should obey an example to follow, a prayer to pray, an error or truth or something to praise God for. So whatever you read in the Bible is going to fall under these. So if out of everything that we've said today, if all this here is what you get, if all you get is this and you pick up the Bible and you start to read it and you ask the Holy Spirit of God, Holy Spirit of God, which of the uh, words in the table does this passage apply is it a sin is it a promise if you do that you will find that the word of god will not look as complicated to you i'm going to put the picture of that in the in the chat chat the word of god is not going to look as complicated to you and you'll be able to do a lot more without having to you know take a concordance or do the complicated things if most of us did this if most of us did this, God would be able to do so much more with every one of us. And this is how it feels when you start to read the Bible. It doesn't feel nice straight away. You might find that you fall asleep. You might find that actually you read it and it doesn't make sense and then you have to go back to it. And then you kind of start to, the more you persevere, the more you go on, you kind of start to find that actually you need this because then as you read the bible then things happen in your life that have to do with what you read one of the reasons why i not just i teach the bible study one of the reasons why i taught it even when nobody was there to listen was that i found that what i read what i um, studied and taught either it happened the week before or it would happen the week after but i found that that word was shaping my life and I thought this is good if nobody gets anything I am getting it and that's why I keep going back to it now the sermon that I said you know God said it's not time for you to give that sermon yet I have studied it I've got it in my heart you haven't 
So when you find the word of God for you, it starts to become a pleasure because you just know, God, so what else am I going to learn now that is going to, that is going to help me? So I'm going to give these out. I've got a little bit of time. Okay, yeah. One each to everybody. Uh, okay, so this is a this is a map of the places mentioned in the Bible, and it's got all the books as they were read. So I'm going to put these in the church chat. I tried to print them this um, this morning, and they're the reason why I'm late because the printer just went mad. So everything happened uh, in these places here. Uh, Creation. So this goes through all the chapters. I'm gonna put this in the in the uh, church chat. So the fall. So what happened at the fall? Lost relationship. Lost dominion. However, we are told that God then said, "I'm going to uh, send someone that is going to crush the serpent's head," and He called it the seed of the woman. So when Jesus came, that is the reason why there wasn't the involvement of a man because God blamed man for the fall, not woman. Adam knew what he was doing and he, even if Eve had eaten that fruit, Adam could have put a stop to it. But guess what he did? He ate as well. So it's all very nice being a man and culture might say that is the, is the woman that builds the house, is the woman that does this, the woman that does that. In the mind of God, it is the man that leads the home. It is a man that leads the church. And if something goes wrong, God is going to ask the man, which is why Jesus is called the seed of the woman. So these are the things that, as you study the Bible, you, you basically, you find them there and you're like, how come I never saw this? So that's the fall. Events after the fall, Abraham comes, uh, then the children of Israel, Egypt, Moses, the Exodus, Joshua, the Promised Land, David, and Solomon, and the division of the kingdom. The division of the kingdom. So if we look at the Old Testament, the timeline here, so this gives you more detail of what happened, the timelines, what the books are that were written at those times. So when you read books, you know when they were written. You know, if I write a book now and say I went on Twitter or I went on Facebook, if somebody from 5,000 years back reads it, they're not going to know what Facebook is. They're not going to know what Twitter is. So there are many things that we read in the Bible that is not... The word that we use now is not what it meant back then. So that's why at times you end up having to do a little bit of deeper study to find out, so what did they actually mean? But this gives you a history of Israel. And the thing with Israel is they always were either misbehaving and about to go into exile and be judged, or they're in exile being judged, or they've just come out of exile and they're being good again. That's 
Israel. That's why God calls them a stiff-necked people. You know, a few days ago, I found out, and I'm going to give you the passage, I found out that not only did they have the pillar of uh, light by day, or the cloud by day and the lights by night, they actually had a rock that was following them around. If you read First Corinthians 10.4, if somebody can open that for us, please. First Corinthians ten four. And, and Paul drank the same spiritual drink, but they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Thank you, ma'am. So they drank water from a rock that was following them. So when Pastor says that signs and wonders don't move people, he was right. Imagine having a rock that follows you. Not just as a rock that follows you and you, you basically get your pastor or your prophet to strike it and water just comes out. I didn't know. You know when you read that book of um, Moses striking that rock, you think that maybe it was a mountain that just happened to be there? Did, does, do, do most people just think that it just happened to be a rock that was there? Actually, it's a rock that moved with them. I didn't know. So when God says, I will provide all your needs, like I did the needs of the Israelites in the wilderness, water in the desert, they had it on tap. Word of God. A few weeks ago, I found out that David had both his mom and his dad alive. So when you go back and read how the prophet was coming and um, they brought out the oldest kids and the younger one was left out, David being the younger one, you might think it's because his mother was dead. She wasn't. She was alive. How can you forget a whole child? How can you forget a whole child? But when you look at that and you now know that, ah, his mother and his, and his father were there. Then when you read that, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord took me up. You understand that he actually meant that he was the outcast of the family. And it takes on a whole different meaning. And the Bible is full of these things that we gloss over, that we don't think about, but they're actually there. And I used to wonder how people could preach hours and hours and hours on one passage. Now I know. Now I know. So that's the timeline, key events after the fall. So that, that is only there, so I'm not going to go through it. Um, then when you get to the end, you see there's something called 400 silent years. So at the end of the Old Testament, God was fed up. And he did not speak for 400 years. Now it's in those 400 years that the rabbis, the Pharisees, the scribes, they rose because they're not mentioned anywhere in any of the Old Testament books. And then when Jesus is born, we start to find who are the Pharisees, who are the Sadducees? They were created when God stopped speaking. And some people said, okay, oh God has stopped speaking, oh, let us speak our own. So they will go back and check what God said, then they will say, ah, this is what he meant. The Holy Spirit is gone, oh, this is what he meant, this is what we felt. And we, they added things that God had not put there. See, when God stopped speaking, 
it's a good idea to go and ask him. She'll see. Why have you stopped speaking? I've been writing um, messages for people for quite a while now in different um, churches, and I tend to find that God will say this, the same thing maybe two or three times, and then he shuts up about it and he doesn't talk about it anymore. That's dangerous because God, it means that God has moved on and that person has lost that chance. Now, it doesn't mean that you cannot go back to God and say, God, and then he will come and he will say, well, last time I spoke to you, you didn't listen, so I let you do whatever you wanted to do, but you will know in that time when God was silent that you missed something. Or worse, you might not know because you might feel, I'm okay. And God is saying, there's so much more that you could have got. Uh, key event, redemption, so we're in the New Testament, Jesus Christ, the apostles, the early church, the church age. Um, now, so we're in the church age now, and the Bible gives, it actually talks quite a lot about what's going to happen um, when the church is no longer on earth, and also what it is going to look like at the end uh, of all time. Now, we're going to look to the next uh, sheet, books of the Bible. So we've got 66 books, so we're in this one now. 66 books, 39 in the old, 27 in the new. So we have five in the law. So the first five were written by um, Moses. Then we have history, and that's 12. Then we have poetry, we've got five. Major prophets, minor prophets. Now, the major or minor, it's got nothing to do with how cold they were or how powerful they were. It's all about how long were their books. So the shorter books are the minor prophets, the longer books are the major ones. Then the poetry is the Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And then the law is given in Genesis. And I think I'm going to I'm going to stop there. So what is, what is it that I'm driving at? There is so much power in the word of God. It is extremely powerful. And if you're looking for power, I would say, go to the word of God. There are people out there selling power of all kinds and of all sorts. They are not anywhere near as powerful as the word of God. I listened to a testimony of someone who was in um, a cult for quite a number of times and you know the kind of things that you know they did to people and he used to say that Christians don't know the power that is in the word of God. They found out that there were some people, yeah they prayed, they fasted, but they could get to them quickly because their spirit did not have the word of God to counteract the words that they were speaking. He said witchcraft, Freemasons, whatever it is that you want to call it, it is based on words they speak. So if they're going to do um, a spell, a chant, they're going to speak words. Now, they might add some stuff to it, but the bulk of the power is in the word that they speak. So when they speak it to you, if you have the word of God in you, that word speaks back. And when you pray, Pray based on the word of God. That word, it speaks back to them. 
And because the word of God is the power of God, is the creative power of God, is the judging power of God, it is the fighting power of God, when you go to battle with the word of God, you are bound to win. But most people don't go to battle with the word of God. And that's what we learn, that's what we need to learn how to do. The word of God is a sword in our hand. And you know, a sword is not really something that you just stop oh, I'm going to McDonald's with a sword. No. You're going to battle. And you're going to fight and you're going to win. Because Jesus has won the battle and he's saying, I have won. So here is this, the word, the sword. And go out there and fight and claim what is yours. But if you don't know the word of God, you'll be begging God. God does not react to begging. The benefit system of God does not react to begging. You go into the word of God, you go into the law. Your word says, when the devil comes and says, turn these stones in, into bread, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. The word of God says that. But if you don't know it, the devil came when he had been in a desert with no food, no water for 40 days. My man was hungry. He was hungry. The devil will always try to make you need a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. But when you know the word of God, when you're sure of what he has promised you, if the devil brings you a fancy girl, you know how to say no because you know that God has the best in mind for me and it is not this person. When you're tempted to lie, when you're tempted to steal, when you're tempted to do all manner of things, when you're tempted to gossip, you tell the devil, this is what the word says. But if you don't know it, you know, he's going he's gonna to have an argument for you and you might fall. And it is the same devil that pushes you to do things that then goes to God and says, go and look at this person. They're lying, they're cheating. The book of Job, it still happens now. The devil still goes up there and goes to God and says, hey, so you want to bless this one. See, the most delicate time in anybody's life is when a prophecy He's spoken that God wants to do something for you. The devil will convince you, will try to convince you to do something that's going to stop God from doing that thing for you. Because he knows that he can make you lose faith in God. If God says, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bless you, then the blessing does not come. You begin to doubt God. And it's only a matter of time between you doubting and you falling. The devil is clever. He's very, very smart. He knows what he's doing. But we have this weapon. We cannot allow the devil to bloody fool us anymore. He cannot come to us and lie to us and make us do the wrong things that then stops God from being able to raise us up. And that is it. That's, that's the first part. I've got nowhere near the rest of the stuff. But I want us to rise on our feet. I want us to rise on our feet. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.